welcome to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're four season card holders at Ashton Gate who love the club, the game and all things Bears. Bristol are back to winning ways with a 25-20 victory over local rivals Bath. We had a slow start but came good in the end in front of a big Ashton Gate crowd. In this episode, we'll also look ahead to the next game against reigning champions Harlequins at the Stoop. All this and more on the show. I'm Tony and I'm joined by Lee, Miles and Pete for a cheeky beer and some rugby banter. Uh, well, Lee, um, it's great to be back at your place after last week at the Manor. Um, uh, well, how's your weekend been on the back of that uh, victory? Uh, it's um, well, obviously it's been it's been a good weekend after the victory tone, but it's been quite a wet weekend in Bristol, hasn't it? I think <laughs> collectively we've all been absolutely drenched. So uh, it's nice to get back into the old love shack, as you boys call it, and start recording the podcast again in the warm. And of course, that uh, you you were a star of TV on Friday night before the game. I was. Tell, yeah. tell, tell us what happened there. Well, I was um, obviously lucky enough to be invited onto Points West with Alistair Durden and um, and Gareth Chilcott, the and, cooch. Uh, the, yeah, the cooch, uh, as I call him now. And uh, yeah, it was nice. I mean, it was uh, you know a five minute kind of uh, prelude to to the game, and uh, it was uh, it was nice to be up in the old um, what was it the, the old Lansdowne stand and getting the view of the pitch from uh, from a great height, but. Um, yeah, no, it was it was it was lovely. It was uh, very professional, actually. I was I, I didn't know what I was doing there, to be honest. <laughs> and you, you, you and the coach, you you like that now? Yeah, your buddies, are you? City through and through, mate. City through yeah. and through. Yeah. We had a good old chat about uh, the the good old days at Ashton Gate. And it, of course, he's an Ashton Park boy, isn't he? Went to school yeah, down yeah, there, yeah. just just down the road. And and Pete, you 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 were media on media duty after the game. Yeah, it was a it was a very short conversation. I was kind of hiding behind a port cabin outside to try to get away from the noise. And then uh, they put me through and then I had to I had to like wait for five minutes just talking to various other people talking. And, uh, and what was this? What were you talking on? On, uh, on my mobile phone. Yeah, no. on Radio Bristol. <laughs> Radio Bristol. <laughs> yeah. Let's tell the listeners yeah. who you were talking I just, to. I just thought they assumed they know this tone, you know. But yeah, it was uh, it was a bit of a last last minute. Um, I can't. I got to say, I, I've done a few Radio Bristols, and this wasn't my best moment. <laughs> I couldn't really. Yeah, Jeff asked me a couple of things about the second half, and I, I don't know. I, I I couldn't really. I froze a little bit. I couldn't remember what happened. You, you I, just, awesome. I just remember we won. That was about it. You, you were lost he, in the moment. Yeah, he soon he, he, he soon cut me off. So, uh, and Miles, we were left holding uh, a pint of cider for uh, quite a while 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 Pete was loitering behind a porter cabin, which. Is a bit of a dodgy thing to say on. It's been known to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Miles, we 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 had a bit of a change of plan, didn't we? Because normally we meet up in uh, a, a pub uh, on the North Street side of the ground, but uh, of course we went and sampled the ales at uh, Bristol Beer Factory's pop-up tent. We did indeed, and what a fantastic idea that was, and, and it paid off massively. Um, you know, we found a pop-up tent eventually, all, all three of us at least. Um, some lovely beers straight out the barrel uh, no queues so we thought we kept going back for more and more and they went back there after the pitch sadly well great for the company they'd run out of beer all so we're miles. You never want to run out of stock. Oh, I don't blame them really. So we had to have a, we had to have a Thatcher's gold and wait for Pete before we uh, reappeared from behind the water. <laughs> can, can, I, 
can I just say, I was quite gutted because obviously, because I did the, the thing, the thing for Points West before, I couldn't actually get outside to see you boys out of beer, and I was stuck on the concourse, and it was absolutely rammed. I was waiting about twenty minutes to buy a pint of Fetcher's Gold while you guys were actually like, uh, living it up. So yeah, I just want to say a shout out to Sam who was uh, who we interviewed for the podcast. Uh, last week great to see you down there at the ground and uh, it looks like it's going great guns anyway let's talk about that game Uh, back to winning ways at last Bristol 25 Bath 20 in front of a crowd of 23,438 Pete let me come to you first Um, team was announced uh, Thursday lunchtime uh, and your thoughts Uh, maybe a few more changes than most of us expected yeah, I, I know last week we did suggest that there, there might be some changes, um, but I don't think any of us saw the old little the back row shuffle come. I mean, we did suggest on the pod last week that Nathan Hughes might get uh, a week off, uh, but nobody saw, I don't think, well, none of us actually saw um, Steve going at number eight. So that was that was a bit of a surprise. It was it was interesting. He, you know, he, he obviously wants to keep Chris Vui. We said Chris Vui and Steve Lutton had been a bit quiet in the first two games, but um, it, it kind of made sense when I saw it. And then, yeah, I I wasn't surprised really to see Randall start. I felt as though he would start. And uh, I suppose the other the other surprise was the front five. I mean, Carl Sinclair coming in. There would been some hints that he might do because there had been the reports about the England players changing their agreements. But I think that was a real boost uh, because the scrum had been bad in the first game, kind of parity in the second. Um, and then I think we were kind of vindicated saying we needed a bit of filth in the in the, the second row and, and seeing Joycey start was probably a surprise. I think we felt he might be on the bench having come back from injury. And it was nice to see Ed Holmes. I think Ed Holmes did deserve mm-hmm. starting. And I, and I did like the look of that pack. I thought it was... Yeah, you know, when I looked at it, I thought it was it was it was filth, enough filth, but enough mobility at the same time. Yeah, it was yeah mobile filth. Right, mobile filth. Let's uh, well, let's talk about the uh, the first half then, Lee. Um, mobile filth, but we didn't seem to be doing much different to the first two games of the season. No, I I'd, I'd say in that first half it was headless mobile filth. To be honest. Um, I mean, again, it just felt like a carbon copy of the Saris game and obviously Pete had gone to Wasps. And and I felt that we were absolutely all over the shop in that first half. And um, Sheedy's kicking um, wasn't long enough. It wasn't ever reaching the corners. Subsequently, we were coming back to the halfway line and trying to start a game. And, you know, the handling errors, you know, it, it just... That first half for me, I, I, I had that... that Dread, and and I thought to myself, oh no, is this going to be the same again? The previous two weeks, and I, I think you know, Bath were a bit unlucky, weren't they? Because they were, the ball dropped when they had the try line at their mercy. There was another yeah. try that was chalked <laughs> off, um, uh, disallowed for a. From where I was sitting, looked a, a slightly iffy knock on. I, I haven't actually looked at it again, but. Um, they were playing some lovely rugby Bath, weren't they? The, yeah, I mean, Bath, full credit to Bath, they were playing well, but I, I kind of felt that we were allowing them to play that way as well. I didn't, I didn't think we stamped enough of our authority on the game and it just it let them attack us. It was almost like, you know, we, we used to take the game to opponents 
And it almost felt to me like we were indecisive and we were letting them start to dictate play. And and full credit to Bath, they played really well. But I don't think we should have allowed them to, mm. to express themselves the way they did. No, and uh, we did have a bit of joy in that first half, though, uh, Miles, and that was uh, Stephen Luatoa's uh, try. Now, uh, <laughs> was it Chris Ashland? <laughs> uh, the the, the, the Luatoa splash now, uh, that was quite something, wasn't well, it? Well, absolutely. I mean, I don't know how many strainy ways, but it's significantly more than me. And at my ripe old age of mid-40s, I'd struggle to do a swan dive with a rugby ball. I mean, he did a beautiful little show and go at the end, didn't he? And had about 15 metres left, but no one was catching him. I thought it was fantastic for the yeah. captain. And I love the swan dive, a little dive on his side, and that was going nowhere but in the try line. So good on him. He was a Piotr dummy, wasn't it? Come on, it it was was class. I I I like the way he justified it in his interview afterwards, saying he felt as though someone was getting quite close to him. (laughs) He ought to just jump over the line. But I wouldn't be surprised if even Big Steve has a little note in his pigeonhole when he gets on Monday <laughs> from Patch to say, just pop in and have a, just see me for a minute, Steve. And I might just have a little word about, about, you see more show, about showboating in front of the Atio. I tell you what, I must admit, I'd be more of a slider than a diver because I don't think it'd be so bad at our ripe old age diving. It would yeah. be getting up afterwards <laughs> yeah. when, exactly. when you're yeah. winded and your back's cricked <laughs> and you broke your neck. So uh, anyway, we went in um, and it it was 8.15 at halftime to Bath. Um, and I, I put a, uh, a message out on the um, our Twitter feed and I, I wasn't too optimistic, Pete. I, I didn't really see um, things turning around, but slowly they did. Yeah, and I think what happened was that our forwards essentially took control of that second half. And for all of the talk we always have about expansive play I think it's it clearly reminds us that if you're not in control of a rugby game for and for sustained periods it's very it's very difficult to to get points on the board and in that first half we've been at sixes and sevens defensively which had kind of amplified the you know the really good play of people like Bailey and Ajoma don't take it away from them they were they were box office but we just didn't stamp our authority and you know we could have been a lot. We were quite lucky in the second half that we weren't further down at half time. But you know, Bath fans were moaning about tempo and all that sort of thing. But then, did I hear one of them moaning about Charlie Yule's dropping a ball? I mean, you know, sixes and sevens, isn't it? But swings and rounds. I mean, I've done the sixes and sevens already. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I think we just we just started to take control. I mean, you could argue that Hooper dropped a proverbial because he took off McAnally and Underhill, and and, and really after that, we we then got. F- uh, scr- yeah, scrum dominance actually our scrum had been pretty good all the way through but then of course we actually managed to get our line out more firing and uh, you know once you get a rolling mall and you got a yellow card and get another one then you're always got a chance and I think ultimately on that second half performance we, we did deserve to edge it given the fact that we took the opportunity to do that um, after the first half so you know it's still, it's still in the balance right at the end but good one <laughs> yeah and uh, let me come to you Miles then we we had the penalty try we had uh, Kerr's try um, and things were looking good I, I think it was about five minutes to go yeah. we, we were in their half it looked like we were going to score that fourth bonus point try 
and then it all started to unwind again. Talk me through that last three minutes. Oh, that was nerve-wracking, to say the least. I remember, actually, you sat next to me, TC, and said, I have a nasty feeling there's a sting in the tail to this match. And we sort of, like, put our head in our hands and, and agreed, really. I mean, you know, you're right. We were up, and we, you know, just had to sort of defensively switch on, which we, we, we were doing particularly well in the second half. Um <laughs> But then, you know, there was a late sort of penalty given, wasn't there, to Bath. And Bailey w- was on point with his kick, smashed it into the corner. A line out to Bath. But then our defence just stepped up, really. Uh, I think, as memory serves me well, they got they got set two penalties, didn't they? To, and two sort of driving walls, which we defended brilliantly. And the second one, I believe that Kerr got involved sort of held up under Hill and then um, it was given to given to us as a as a scrum. And and then amazingly, I don't know quite what happened. I watched a replay and I'm yet to figure out why we were given the, the sort of final penalty so quickly. I you you might have an answer, but whether Bath pushed in the scrum far too early and tempo had had enough by then. But I mean I thought we were gonna lose that in the last two minutes of the game, but Luckily. And then there was a final twist, wasn't there? Because the clock is in the red. We've got a penalty. So if it was me, it would be, all right, boys, just have a breather. Just let's have a few fist pumps. Bath, back your 10 metres. I'm just going to dink this into touch. And what does Andy Uren do? Takes a quick tap, drops it. (laughs) The ball bobbles backwards. He picks it up and then kicks it out. Thank goodness that ball didn't go forward. Um, but that was uh, such a Bristol thing to see. Yeah. Though, wasn't it? Oh, I mean, come on, we, we, think, yeah. we never do anything easy. And it was yeah. just that little that oh, little touch at the end. It's like like just keep us guessing to the yeah. 80th we're minute. St- we're uh-oh. still doing Bristol things to the end. Oh, come oh, on, definitely another note in the pigeonhole that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, let's let's talk about performances, uh, Lee. If I come to you first, uh, in in the forwards, who impressed you? Everyone. I think everyone, I think collectively, um, they were all fantastic. Uh, it was it was much more solid. I agree with Pete. I think Sinclair uh, adds more, you know, dynamism to the game. Um, I think Jan Thomas was great again. I yeah. mean, he, he is, to, to me, he's unsung. And I love the fact, again, you know, when we, we want to scrum and he's he's right in front of us and he's like, you know, arms raised as I like, come on, you know, getting the crowd mm-hmm. up together. Um, but I thought collectively that the, all the forwards are great. I think Luatua and Vui, best games of the season so far. I mean, I know we're only three games in, but um, but they were much more the old self, their, their old selves. Um, and I thought, I agree again with Pete, I thought Joyce and Holmes in the second row were absolutely brilliant. And it's a pairing that works, isn't it? I mean, they, they you know, they, they do work yeah. very well together. And I, you know, Will Capo, and I think was it half time he came yeah. came off, yeah. and then Kerr came on. Um, although Kerr had a few dodgy throws to to start with. Having said that, Bath were good at the lineup. They, yeah. Yeah. they were really competing. They, I don't know whether they got some inside track on our calls, but seemed to be very much in the right place at the right time. But I think Kerr then in the loose really added mm. something, didn't he, in that second half? And was yeah. was lucky with the unlucky rather with not to score two tries when it was adjudged that it was uh, a double movement. Yeah, and I think Miles would have been pleased with that because obviously Kerr is Miles's new. Uh, New, new little baby, isn't he? So, uh, <laughs> your first George Hicker, isn't he? 
So um, yeah, no, it was, it was. I thought the forwards all round were were were, I, were much much better. Well, I think I I felt a bit sorry for Capon because I think Tony's right. Is I think Bath really na- they 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 sussed the line out a little bit and. You know, sometimes it's like if if you if there's one a line out one against the throw, it's very easy to blame the hooker straight away. But you know, it, it's, it's a there's a lot of part moving parts in a line out, and yeah, he he got the he got the bullet half time. I mean, it was it was yeah something had to change anyway. So I think I hope Capon, you know, doesn't take uh, you know isn't too disappointed by it. Um, you know, Jake Kerr, it's good to have real competition at that uh, in that position, even when our potential number one is out. So. Um, I think yeah, it was it was it was had to be done, and, and, and ultimately it paid off. I think someone's having a party outside it your does, flat. It does sound like it, <laughs> yeah. and it's not us. Yeah. It's, like, it's a bit bit of a shame, really, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, let's uh, let, let, let's keep going. Um, Pete, if I come to you, then who who sparkled for you in the backs? Well, I'd like to not necessarily sparkle, but I think I'd like to to, to mention Sam Bedlow um, because actually I think almost the first play we had he did a nice little step inside found a bit of gap and I thought I thought this boy is a weapon we've got to remember this and I got and I think he had a, a <laughs> to to coin uh, another podcaster's phrase a very solid game um, and I think the thing about Bedlow is I think now with the news about Semi we we really we need Bedlow to step up and I think I think he's he will and I think he's the sort of player though that I think Someone has to go up to him, put an arm around him, and say, "You know, you're my boy." Pat says, "You're my boy, Sam. You've got the skill set. You're, you've got a big boot. You're up. You, you, you tackle well. I want you to be our 12. And I think he's the sort of player. If he gets a run and he knows he's getting a run, I think we could see some some real improvements from him. So I was really pleased with his performance. He, he put in a really good, and I think you know it's good for the future for the next you know couple of months. So Badlow is the one. Yeah, I, I agree, and I, I also think that he gives the kicking option. To, well, it, not that we ever just, take it. <laughs> no, no, but but that's what I'd, I'd like to see Bedlow yeah. actually step up himself. Yeah. And, and the more run of games that he gets, hopefully the, yeah. he'll, the confidence will build, and he'll start saying that like, you can give me the ball and I'll kick it in the corner, and then that just takes a bit of pressure off of Sheedy, and then collectively we're starting to to get forward momentum again, aren't we? Yeah, because I mean, I, I don't know how much more you're going to talk about the backs, but Sheedy's kicking to touch, certainly in that first half, he wasn't mm. making much ground, no. was he? No, he wasn't. And I mean, Lee mentioned it earlier, I think. And it is disappointing. I mean, there was one where it barely went over the halfway line when we were outside our 22. And, and I think, you know, that is, you've got to create pressure on teams, and, and that's not creating pressure. I mean, I actually think rather than Bedlow kicking, I, I, I don't know why Charles Piertel didn't step up and kick some of those on the right-hand side with his left boot. And, yeah. and I'm, if I'm allowed to say it, I'm a little bit disappointed that you've got a, you know, a big international player who's paid a lot of money, who's played at the highest level, doesn't, when he can't see that Sheedy, it might say, look, Sheedy, I'll take this one. Just slightly disappointed that he doesn't put himself forward yeah. for it. Maybe, you know, I don't know. It just seems that that seemed pretty obvious. Uh, a couple of times that, that he could have a go but anyway so who else in the backs yeah in the yeah. backs I mean I thought Purdy it was great to see him back he's very direct that's exactly what we want <laughs> breaking um, tackles wasn't it yeah, yeah breaking tackles and that's all you can ask for a winger and he's you know he's, he's, a, he's a great defender as well um, I mean Charles Piertau is always is always there and thereabouts I mean he he was a little bit loose in the first half he threw one really loose pass at Purdy that was a bit risky that I think we were kind of attacking it was looking quite promising he got tackled he kind of threw it without looking behind Purdy 
you know, we, we scrambled defence. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was, I thought Randall, I still, he had an, if, some people said he had a up and down game, but I still like the fact, I like his zip. I like mm. his thinking. I like he took a couple of quick penalties, got tackled, didn't he, uh, before 10 metres in the first half. So, yeah, it was, yeah, I'd, I'd say Purdy was the standout for me. And I think Piers O'Connor and Bedlow had a difficult first half. But I don't think it was all their fault. I think the whole defensive line of the back row, I felt Lloyd was at, was rushing out too quickly ahead of everybody. Um, but again, you know, they, they stuck at it and they came through and we won the game. So um, I just think they've got to take confidence for that because they're probably going to be playing those positions for a few more games. And Miles, any, any of the players you, you want to touch upon? Um, I think I'd reiterate Pete I mean I think Randall yeah I think <laughs> Randall had a great first half I thought I thought his box kicking was you know long on point really and his, his little sort of right uh, rushes were brilliant again hugely disappointed with Callum Sheedy I know that a lot of fans have said this but it, as you've said his kicking to touch it was poor really poor at times uh, and his game management again wasn't fantastic um, and he, he did grow in um, that last 20 years yeah, when we started to it. sing it, it, well, it was better but I don't we, we need it from the off though don't we no. we don't need it you know, 60 minutes right. in when, it's, when the team confidence grows Sheedy will grow well, and, and, and yeah but the, the thing is Sheedy should be growing that confidence in the team to start with that's, they, that's my point and, and it was case. made more obvious by the fact in the first 20 minutes that Orlando Bailey yeah, it's showing it exactly oh, what yeah. we've kind of what you do with a rush defence. Yeah. You're, you're creative. You 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 think on your feet a little bit. So well, Sheedy we, was unlucky to be shown up quite yeah. starkly by, by a Bailey by by, by a nip by, yeah. by a whippersnapper. Really, I wouldn't even call him a youngin. A yeah. whippersnapper. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as you said, Tony he did grow into it. But you know, he's a he's a Wales international now, and you know, he's a lovely chap. We 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 all love Sheedy, but sometimes you've got to be put under pressure and feel that you've got to perform a little bit more otherwise other people might come in and do it do it instead and you think just picking up on that point Miles that that realistically as we with the injuries that we've got we've got Yian on the um, on the wing yeah. we've got Bedlow playing who stood in at 10 we've got Tiff Eden who, who maybe hasn't looked really at, at the races at this level I mean, Sheedy's got no pressure on his position, has he? Well, absolutely. I, I, yeah, I mean, sadly, until Luke Morahan comes back in on the wing and Lloyd is potentially freed up, assuming Piotr stays fit, then there's no, yeah, there's no competition for that position. But, I mean, you know, based on yesterday and a couple of games, I'm struggling to see how Wayne Pivak is really going to have him as number one, two or, or three on his choice at the moment. But, you know, things could change. I, I think that will be interesting to see if he yeah. does get called up with, uh, especially with, uh, what's he called, Priestland back in Wales yeah. now, making himself available. Lee, you wanted to make he, a point. Yeah, I mean, this is going to sound ultra critical against Sheedy. And I, and and we do love him. He's a, he's a brilliant character. He's a brilliant guy. He's a lovely person. But I think that we've talked in the last couple of weeks about teams sussing us out and the way we play and for me a, a big factor in that is that Sheedy doesn't do doesn't mix it up enough I think we've become too obvious I think we've been too static and I think that the other teams now it doesn't take a lot I mean he's you've got coaches everywhere in every single team and I think Sheedy not mixing it up enough and creating enough uh, you know, kind of expectation of like you don't know what he's going to do. 
I think that has thus become a big thing now to us being sussed out as, as a team, as a unit, I think. OK, well, let's look at some of the stats. Uh, it just shows what a good game it was. Possession 54-46 to, to Bristol Territory, 51-49 to us. We made 548 metres, they made 453. Uh, and turnovers, again, quite high for us again, 17. But then they uh, had 15 turnovers themselves. Um, if we, we have a look at some of the other results as well, uh, we had Saints 23, Irish 21, uh, Leicester 13, Saracens 12. Uh, penalty try at the death, wasn't it, Lee? It was, yeah. It was a hell of a game where Leicester are playing brilliant, some brilliant rugby. But I did think there was a decision at the end of the game which actually Leicester player was arguing at the end and I, and I think that, that that decision could have been overturned and Saris well, could have won that game. Well, I think a Leicester player came in with a, show, a, a shoulder onto a Saracen's mm. head. Um, I don't think it was much arguing. I mean, it was a it was an odd finish, the game. I've got, Lee, I did watch a bit of this game and I know you said Leic- nobody played well no. in that game in the sense that it was very, very... I mean, Leicester were outplayed. I mean, Saracens were in control of that game. Uh, but Leicester did a very good job at sticking with it, and I, you know, all full credit to them. But they they will be as surprised as anybody, I reckon, with that result. And actually, there was that incident at the end where, uh, yeah, where they they were bundled into touch on their last play. It looked like Saracens had, had, had basically won it, and then they were penalised for, you know, one of the Saracens. I think it was the scrum half sort of coming in sliding in and tackling off his feet from the side uh, pushing the guy into touch and you know what I got a real sense of deja vu on that <laughs> and I went back to our first game when Billy Vulapola came sliding in off his feet sideways pushing one of our players into touch and nothing was given I mean you know it, it, it wasn't about but it's an interesting that that, that rule now appears to mm. be applied uh, two games after it happened before. And I, you know, I, I, it's a funny one. But, so I think Leicester were lucky as well. But you're not bitter about it, are you? No. I'm bitter. I'm, bitter. I'm, bitter. I'm, bitter. <laughs> I'm not bitter, but I just think it, it is a question because it's not like a difficult thing to see. But anyway, that's all yeah. I'll say. Uh, carrying on then, Newcastle 18, Wasps 14. So they didn't... Uh, Carry on Wasps with their uh, winning ways. Worcester 23, Gloucester 31. And then uh, today, Sale 15, Exeter 25. So Exeter showing uh, a bit of what we expected. I think all four of us. Oh, I went for a draw, didn't I, when we predicted that? I think the three of you went for, for an Exeter win. So it was a good weekend for West Country teams. Except Bath, with Bristol, <laughs> Gloucester and Exeter finally uh, winning their first game. To be fair, someone had to lose. Yeah, they did. Yeah. So, so we've run through uh, most of the statistics there uh, around the weekend and the game. But of course, there's one statistic that uh, remains. Uh, and that was when there was, I think, was there 30 minutes and 12 <laughs> seconds on the countdown clock? Uh, we, we we had a we had a discussion in uh, in the dolmen to say right it's ten minute tune time. <laughs> do we wait till the referee restarts the game, or just do we go for it now because there's a gap we could do it, and well, we went for it didn't we? So the four of us <laughs> up on our feet. <laughs> 
we had warned some of the people around us. Yeah, we? Oh, yeah. yeah. people directly behind us. Yeah. And a, a, a few joined in. And we could see some people standing yeah. up around the grass. Yeah, there was. Uh, and thanks to the people that have put videos and pictures of us on the, on Twitter. <laughs> Lee, let me come to you. I don't think we're going to put it in that folder that says resounding success. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, if we're all honest, right, collectively, we I don't think we, we expected everyone to be up on their iron legs and <laughs> singing, you know, the Blackbird song. But you know what we're trying to what we're trying to achieve is something different, isn't it? I mean, you know, we we all sing the Bristol song. It's you know it's tried and tested. But what we're trying to do is create different atmospheres, different options, you know, of songs that we can sing. And to be honest, there's a few out there that we yeah. can do, you know. And but do you know what we 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 failed trying, didn't we? And that's the most important thing. And I'll tell you what though. Doing the TV was one thing, but that was a whole yeah. another <laughs> level of nerves. Oh, we, were all, we, were, we were all cacking ourselves, <laughs> weren't we? And then it was, we saw, we kept, you know, from about two minutes ago, we kept looking at that, that countdown yeah. clock and we're looking at each other going, are you really going to do this? And then we just, you know what we thought about? We thought about all those people on Twitter yeah. who had said they were going to do it as well. And yeah. we thought, we can't let, we can't let them down, no. can we? We can't let them down. And uh, it was, I've got to say, ledge, it was one of we? the, I had that nervous feeling in the pit of my stomach. I haven't had that for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> feeling really nervous. And all, I was fully expected someone to go, sit down, like that. But as you say, fair play to all of those people that contacted us um, and, and said that, you know, they thought it was a good effort. And then, you know, next time we'll, we'll maybe we'll try and ramp it up a little bit more. Well, and, I mean, the thing is, we're all, we, we're all football fans, apart from Miles, taking Miles aside, we're all football fans, right? And that's how football chants begin. They, you know what I mean? They don't. They, they usually they start at away trips, don't they? But they, but they never start immediately. They're always, you know, they, they get into yeah. They grow in your collective system. So it means we're gonna have to do it again <laughs> next time, game boys. It's, it's been it's been hashtagged now. It's, it's trending. Yeah. So we and the funny thing, Miles, wasn't it, that we said, right, right, we're going to do it. We're not going to wait for it to get to 30 exactly. And just as we were about to stand up, there was a... We go, no, 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 we're going to hear us. You're right, we're never going to compete with a Bristol chant, were we? And I agree with Pete, nervous as anything, but, you know, we promised our we promised our Twitter followers we'd be going to do it, and we went through with it. So, fair play. And did I see a mention of the Blackbird from the the, the stands in the in the daily uh, yeah. the Sunday Telegraph yeah. today? The, the, the match review, I think it was a Saturday match review from the Telegraph. The first, you know, the opening line in the first paragraph was the fact that the Bristol fans broke into a spontaneous rendition of the Wurzels Blackbird showed how febrile the atmosphere <laughs> was. Now. I think she we'll, got we'll it. Take it. We'll we're take taking it. that. We're taking that. We got. We managed to get our voices right over to the, <laughs> to the press box. Well, can I? Can I just say that was that was impressive that we got. A, you know, that we got yeah. mentioned there in the Telegraph. But what I'd like to say to you three is that I have. I loved all three of you trying to put a Bristolian accent <laughs> on the Blackbird. That was brilliant, boys. And collectively, I salute all three of you. That's <laughs> top, top notch. Well, just before we move off uh, Friday then, um, 
one thing that did come out post-match was Pat announcing that uh, Samiran Randra got injured in the semi-final of the sevens at the Olympics. Uh, he's got to have an operation on his knee and looks like he'll be out for 16 weeks. So we're not going to see him potentially until well into January. Uh, Miles, you're the medical man. Um, but Excuse me. Put, 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 <laughs> That's got yeah, to stay yeah, in yeah. <laughs> That, uh, well, you me now with that little bird. Sorry. Yeah. How big a loss do you think that is that Semi is going to be out for, well, best part of four months? Uh, it, it's so sad. I mean, let's just say he's not going to be down my neck of the woods, haven't he? Is he having, having a little cheeky operation down at the BRI? But we wish him well. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, I've read a lot of sort of disgruntled fans on a sort of forum and a Facebook page over the far past 24 hours, really questioning, you know, why Pat let him do the sevens, why he had the summer off, why he wasn't picked up nine weeks ago and we could have cut the shortage, cut the time down of his recovery. And, you know, fair play. He's a family man. He wanted to go off and see his family. He was passionate about doing the sevens. And I think to keep players of his quality, you've got to give them some downtime and family time. Hugely disappointing that he's come back. And maybe we obviously realised that they didn't understand the extent of his, opera- his, his injury until he started training. Um, but now, yeah, going into... Yeah, going to the Europeans and some very tough matches away. This, <laughs> this is a massive headache for Pat. And he's going to earn his salary, isn't he, to try and work out who we're going to play and what cover we're going to get. Lee, you want to mention something? I'm just going to disagree with Miles slightly. I mean, Pat Lamb's a school teacher, an ex-school teacher, right? And I do agree, giving giving Semi a bit of downtime, fair enough. But I don't know any school teacher that would have said you can have three or four weeks <laughs> off to any pupils and and away you go with it. And you know, we could have we could have definitely cut down on that time, and and none of us actually knew about any of this. It was actually one of our listeners, Nick Howell, is he, he put a tweet out on Friday, and I think it was his dad. He said his dad had heard a rumor that Semi might be out, and we were all like, uh, "No." And then obviously after the after the game, Pat had announced it. And I, yeah, I mean, it's I'm on the disappointing side of the, the fence. I've got to say, and. It brings into question this whole issue there always is in rugby is, is club against country. And, um, you know, my understanding is Semi isn't really a sevens player. So it was a bit of a, I mean, fair play to it. You know, I know it's a proud man and all that sort of stuff. And it, and it is easy for us to, to criticise. But it's it just, you think in another alternative reality, it, it, it we indulge something a little bit there and we've, we've unfortunately been unlucky. But yeah, it is. it happens in rugby. It could have happened at any time. We've got to accept injuries and it just gives someone else an opportunity to, to step up. We've got to look positive and, and perhaps um, this is the time for Sam Bedlow, as we've said before. Well, I mean, it certainly Ryan answers that question, doesn't it? Because it looked really mm-hmm. odd when Semi wasn't in the the yeah. squad for the, yeah. the sevens final, the Olympic yeah. sevens final, because yeah. you would have thought... My, you know, having him on the bench to be able to yeah. come on would have been, yeah. uh, you know, an amazing asset. But anyway, well, let's. It's what it is. Who pays the wages, though? That's the that's the key. Yeah, yeah. Fact it is what it is. 
Okay, let's move on. You're listening to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Buzzsprout, and many more platforms. You can contact us with your comments and ideas by email at bearsbeyondthegate at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're at bearsbeyondgate. And on Facebook, you can like and follow our Bears Beyond the Gate page. Well, next game comes uh, on Friday, Friday the 8th of October, 7.45 kickoff. Uh, Bristol away at Harlequins at the Stoop. Another one that's on BT Sport, the live game on Friday night. Uh, But before we talk about this, uh, let's hear what the boys from the Harlequins podcast had to say when they, uh, they gave another interview for Pete's Premiership previews. Right, so I am kind of happy to welcome uh, Will and Michael from the Harlequins pod uh, back onto Bears Beyond the Gate um, as a as a means of previewing our game that's coming up at the Stoop uh, well, well, week tomorrow because we're recording this on Thursday night. So it's great to see you though, guys. How are you? Are you all right? Very good. Thanks, mate. So good to see you as well, especially after the last time that we met. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. Let's get this elephant out of the room straight away. <laughs> right. 28 nil down in total disarray. disarray. Did you honestly believe that you would win that game? Never in doubt, Pete. Absolutely never in doubt. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was, it was, I mean, it was, I was there, obviously. It was just a crazy, crazy game. I don't think, well, clearly our team hasn't got over it yet. And I don't think half the fans have. Um, But I, I did say at the time, uh, you know, we opened, we left the door open and you boys just came steamrolling through. And, and a lot of credit, I've got to say, must go to your away fans. They were absolutely oh, exceptional. Um, I don't know whether you have any, any idea why that happened, because we've been thinking about this for, for months and still haven't really got an answer for it. But I don't know what you think. I think it was just the fact that it was one of the first games we allowed fans back in. And it's not that difficult a journey, is it? What? two and a half hours on a train maybe from sort of relatively central London where we come from um oh how good was that I think the only crumb of comfort for us was that you went and did exactly the same thing to Exeter so people kind of forgot about <laughs> yeah. Us, yeah so fair play fair play it was well deserved I think, um, I think we discussed is Tyrone it. Green still giving you nightmares yeah, kind of, you know, but we did discuss, didn't we, that if whoever won our semi-final, we we wanted to win the 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 final. It was the people's semi-final ours, wasn't it? And it was, yeah. I, I think it was it's worth it. Anyway, got that out of the way. Um, the greatest game in rugby history. It was. I mean it was. It was just What a game to the losing side of. The greatest game everyone's ever seen. <laughs> Top of the losing Mike, side. Stop hijacking. Really stop hijacking. <laughs> It is. It was. God, anyway, that's all. Seen. That's what we call history. Now it's gone. All right, we've it's gone. <laughs> so let's talk about the present time, which actually doesn't appear to have changed much at all. So you've had a <laughs> you've had a fantastic start to the season. I believe ten points. Is that right? Two bonus. Yeah, points? we're we're sat on maximum points, uh, ten out of ten, which is a rare place for Harlequins to be at the start of the yeah. season. So we're we're lapping it up. And after two games, our leading try scorer is Max Laheef. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and he's anyway. been dropped. And you've yeah. dropped him. We've got one. Yeah, and he gets dropped. Yeah, so there you go. Right, let's get on to it. Tell me, what, what, what you know, how, how is the season tight? What's, why is it, you know, you carried on? What sort of players are stepping up? Are there any new players that come to the fore? And, and what about your new coach as well? Has he had an impact yet? Yeah, I'll, do you want me to take this first, Mike? And I'll, I'll let you yeah, chip in on. as well. But um, new player-wise, we're 
we weren't concerned, but there's obviously a massive hole that's been left by our sole British and Irish line in Marcus Smith. And and at the start of the season, missing him was always going to be a tough, tough gig for whoever stepped in. But Tommaso Allen's proved to be a real strong signing for us. It's it's like for like. Um, he slotted in really nicely. He's got a relationship with Scott Steele from their Scotland age group days. Um and he's been exceptional man of the match against Newcastle, a real solid performance against Worcester as well. He's a, he's a good man to keep an eye on. However, we've got Marcus back for your game. So you perhaps don't need to study him in too much detail in terms of Tabai. He, he fits the mold of the way we want to play. He was obviously at Bath for a little bit and they didn't want to let him go, but I think he left for personal reasons. So for us to get hold of him now is, is, is amazing. He's all about the culture that we're trying to create in terms of shared responsibility and, and nurturing a group as opposed to coaching a group. Um, so he's, he's embedded himself really well, comes across well in his media interviews, which is about as much as we see of him as fans. So yeah, very happy with that. What, what do you make of it, Mike? Yeah, it's, it's it seems like we've pretty much picked up where we left sort of picked up where we left last year. Um Tommaso Allen's been amazing. Man of the match on debut at Newcastle was fantastic, kicked brilliantly against Worcester at home. Um and I think that shows how well we're travelling at the minute. I obviously don't want to big us up too much, you know, it's very early doors, but there's a little bit of recognition coming now with those seven lads who are down the road at Teddington with the England camp. Mm. Um, Lewis Liner started the season on fire, scored three from his first two. Um, we've got some signings we haven't really seen much of yet. I mean, our two of our, well, two or three of our high-profile signings, Nick David we've not seen yet, Hugh Jones yeah. we've not seen yet, Taulani, the big Tongan, I think, is in New Zealand, Christian Scotland-Williamson, we haven't seen any of him yet. Jack Walker started the first two, 50-50 a little bit, but it just seems like we've we've played we're playing with that with that DNA and Tabai Matson has certainly um bought into that massively and he's now just another cog in the coaching wheel machine that isn't that a huge focal point and everything seems to be going pretty well. Yeah, no, I mean it, it does seem that way and um uh you know fair play to you for 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 kind of carrying on and fair play to the club for kind of uh, making it happen. Um I mean you haven't got a game this weekend like, as I said earlier we we're recording this on the Thursday. We've got we've got a big West Country derby uh tomorrow night against the Whipping Boys down the road from, from a, <laughs> on the A4. Um we well, actually, both teams seriously need to to win tomorrow night, which right. doesn't quite work in the old day of the balance. But, I mean, we're pretty confident, I think, having seen our team come out today. Um, a couple of players got have got dropped after the Wasps. Nathan Hughes is off and a few others. So um, I don't quite know how it's going to go tomorrow. But and obviously, you're going to watch, I imagine, with uh, uh, Detached but uh, maybe um, some sort of interest. I mean, what do you think will happen at the stoop? Um, what sort of team do you think you're going to put out? I mean, are, is there a slight danger of complacency in your 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 team? Um, firstly, you're right. We, we will be watching tomorrow, mainly because you have had a torrid start and we hope you put it right tomorrow as opposed to against us. Cause I don't think you're going to go four games without a win. I think that'd be unrealistic and, and probably underestimating your squad and your coach. So um, you also have a Friday night fixture the week before a Friday night against us, which I do think will benefit you in some kind of psychological way. In terms of our, our lads, we couldn't have had a more perfect start with, with two fixtures against 
lower table teams collecting maximum points. And then we've got two weeks off to, to recover, relax, and two weeks to prepare for your lot, which we know the threat you pose. So the fact that you've rung in eight changes for the for tomorrow's game against Bath says to me that you're starting not to panic, but you, you need to make some wholesale changes in order to fix a few problems. We're we're confident because Friday night games, the crowd is is literally the 16th man. It, it's really a big party, let's be honest. So we're confident in that aspect. We're playing well. Um, we're obviously maximum points. We're coming off the back of our, one of probably the greatest season I've ever seen Harlequins play. And I was there for the 2012 final as well, but the rugby we're playing is confident. I think the fact that we have got Marcus Smith coming back, we're due to get our captain, Steph Louise, back as well. It's, it's adding strength to an already strong group um, at home. I think I do fancy us. Um, a lot depends on the weather now that we're getting into a Friday night game in October. It could be a scrappy one, which doesn't really suit us so well. So I'm hoping that it's at least dry. Um, I don't think we'll get complacent. I do think where we may struggle is is the fact that Bristol is built from the same DNA as Quinns. And if there was ever a banana skin for us in terms of playing our way, it's, it's you lads. And we can play how we want to play and beat Exeter. We can play how we want to play and beat any other team in the league. I think there's only one team that can match us the Quinn's way and that's your lads. So I don't, maybe you can give us some insights here or maybe we can save it for a, another time, but you're in, I don't know if you've got injuries with sort of semi red rounder, your, your sort of X factor players haven't seen too much of yet. They're the ones that concern me, but I don't know if they're going to be around. Semi might be back. It's not an injury. He, he, he just didn't get back from Fiji until not. Got not you. So he could. Yeah. We kind of thought he might play tomorrow night or be on the bench. But so I, I, I think it kind of depends how it goes tomorrow night as well. So, so we'll see. Um, Mike, I got one more question for you. There will be some hardcore Bears fans travelling to uh, to South London or Southwest London next Friday. I mean, what, what for their benefit? I mean, how are what are they going to expect in terms of match day experience? And they've got a few tips for them. <laughs> I'll tell you what, the Worcester game at home was as busy as I've seen Twickenham in a long time. It felt like an England game. It was it was so cool. I mean, obviously they'll get off the train, I don't know where, to connect into Twickenham. You'll come out of the station, you'll turn left down to the high street, you'll go past the wet, past the Waitrose and just take your pick. Cabbage Patch, go down the road, hit the Fox. There's some lovely little spots about. And then there's a really nice little walk that goes sort of through the bushes, over the bridge, you'll see Twickenham in the distance. You'll go over the Cranefield playing fields and you'll come up to that southwest corner, gate three, and uh, and you'll see a big quartered noise. I'm really looking forward to it, actually. It's like I'm going to have to rush down. I won't be able to join in the pre-match frivolities because I'm going to be rushing straight from work. I think I've got to fix that day as well, which means it'll be a pretty late finish. So I will be rushing. Um, I hope it's a much smoother journey. But... It's going to be tough. I think Will makes a very good point. There probably isn't another side in the league that I know of or that I've seen that can match what we do with ball in hand. And I've just looked at your team for Bath. Pretty strong. Piertal, Piers O'Connor, you know, Lloyd. It's going to be tough. I'm looking forward to it. And obviously, you know, I'm still riding the coattails of Bristol, but I hope, I hope <laughs> it will be, not, I just hope it'll be a good game. And obviously I hope we absolutely thump you as well. 
Well, I, I know you're a PE teacher, but the way you described that journey, you almost as if you were a geography teacher. It was, <laughs> it was wasn't it? So, <laughs> I, uh, I do appreciate your your insights, and lads, I uh, I, I do hope it is a, a another game worthy of quality rugby, and uh, you know the the neutral will also enjoy it as well. So I do appreciate you uh, talking to us, and uh, I kind of look forward to that game. To be fair, with a little bit of trepidation, it's got to be said. <laughs> well Pete always good to hear uh, Mike and Will um, yeah they, they they were quite they, they'll be pleased though because I think you recorded that on Thursday did, yeah. they'll, they'll be pleased that Bristol got the win yeah I mean they were they were cock a hoop as you can imagine full of confidence about 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 not only you know what happened in the summer but the, the start they've made Um and you know, they, I think they were they were clearly they're confident about next Friday, but they did make that point that they couldn't see how Bristol could lose four games in a row. So they were hoping that Bar that that we'd beat Bath to sort of get that out of the way. So yeah, I mean, it's going to be a tough game. There's no doubt about it. I think uh, you know they they Quins have, have hit the ground running, and we're potentially in a situation where we may have to go a few steps backwards to go forwards and, and maybe re reassess our aspirations for the season. But uh, it, I, I think one thing's for sure, and they were very complimentary about Bristol. They know that, I think they mentioned that, you know, our, as, as well as them, they think we're the other, you know, great ball-playing side in the Premiership and, and, and everyone's favourite. But I, I do think they're pretty confident about what's going to happen next Friday. And of course, you gave them a cheeky interview back, didn't you, for their podcast? I did, yeah. I gave them a cheeky interview back, which I think if uh, is, is now out, actually. Um, they asked me essentially why they think our season has gone so has started the way it has and and I said well it's a combination of things it's it's probably a bit of a hangover you know players missing that sort of stuff but I said you know we basically just take every game as it comes and we know we'll we'll come to the to the stoop and give it a good shot okay well let's talk about that uh let me come to you first lee because miles is trying to open a uh, a bottle of beer not very successfully he's also dropped a load of cans right behind me as well which is uh, fantastic so professional so um do you fancy our chances against harlequins oh god that's yeah it's the first time i'm going to be honest and say that i i don't see us being quins I really don't. Not the, the, we haven't showed enough, you know. Second half comeback against Bath, admittedly, but I don't think we've shown enough in three games. Quins are absolutely on fire at the moment, and I can't see us getting anything out of this game. If I'm honest, nothing at all. No, nothing at all. Okay, no. But Miles, let me come to you. Do you think that actually this is the first team that will play that will suit our style? Because I don't think we're going to see a big rush defence from Quinns. Their philosophy seems to have been in the last year. We'll run the ball and we'll score one more try than you. Um, you know, they score a lot. They concede a lot. Do you think Do you think that's going to help us? Potentially. I mean, let's hope it's not a carbon copy of the semi-final. <laughs> we're going massively go through that again. And, and absolutely fold. It's certainly not going to be that. I think um, it's going to be a much tighter game. We're not... I struggle to see how really we're going to sort of get ahead in such a fashion. But, um, yeah, I mean, it suits our play, really. They We love running rugby, as do, as do they, and there would never to be big gaps in their defence, we would hope, where our back line might be able to run through a few tries. But 
I mean, we'll talk about our predictions, but I think it's going to be a, a very tough match. I mean, I like us. The way we played in the second half was much better. The way, you know, we Bristol normally play, you know, a, a few changes may be needed, um, but I, I just cannot see a win really at the moment, the way Harlequins okay. are playing. Well, we'll do predictions in a moment, but it's a bit disappointing. Could we pencil that in on the chalkboard for maybe an away trip to, yeah. to the stoop? And of course, it's come out uh, with TV on a, a Friday yeah. evening. Um, team changes. Pat's got a win under his belt and certainly on the second half, uh, a, a decent performance. Do you see much tinkering with the team? Because from, from where I was sitting, it didn't seem anybody limped off with injuries this week. It seems mm. like nobody picked up any knocks. So I think we can almost put that to one side. Mm. What, what do you think? No, I, I, I think maybe apart from Bert Kerr probably starting, um, I don't think there's too much wrong with that that pack. And I quite like the look. I, quite, I think this experiment of, of Steve at eight worked. I quite, and I think we... You know, we've got to try and get a bit of forward domination and uh, against Quinns. We've got to try and spoil their spoil their party, as it were. And I think we we need, as I alluded to before, a, as much mobile filth as we can get. And and I think we've got to get up them. We've got. To, they're going to be coming out psychologically on top of us. They're going to be. There might be a bit of bants in the changing room before, and we've got to somehow find a way of deflating that balloon very early on because the crowd are going to be cock-a-hoop it's they'll all be thinking we'll do this again um so i i think you know we fit we start the game how we finished against bath so i think the pack will be very similar i, I did we didn't mention jake heenan actually i wanted to mention him as even though he missed a tackle for the will muir's <laughs> try at the beginning i just thought he was another he was a very solid cog he's a go-to man for pat and i think it's like when the chips are down he goes to heenan and i think he might Learned enough to start again. So, but you know, we've also got to be brave. We've also got to believe in ourselves, and we've got to give it, give the ball, get the ball to Purdy, get the ball to Yoan Lloyd as best we can. But we've got to do it, you know, with a bit of a foundation. So, having said all that, I, th- I think we might lose. <laughs> <laughs> Miles, let me come back to you. Um, Wasps, obviously, we played them, and they had the week off before they played us. Of course, Harlequins had the week off this week, so they've had two weeks to prepare for yeah, this game. Yeah. Do you think that's going to help them or is that going to be a hindrance? I mean, I don't know. I mean, they won two from two, didn't they? And they've had a rest week. Uh, it, it's hard to say. I mean, they're a quality side. They're, they're well-drilled. I've got a new director of rugby. I, I can't see it really being too much of a disadvantage, to be honest with you. Uh, I mean, you know, one or two players may have come back from injury. Um and I think they'll just, you know, play the typical um, Harlequins way. They're a very good side, very good at home. And like Pete said, I mean, I can't really see too many changes coming in from Bristol. I thought in the second half, we were very solid. Uh, it's just, you know, I like solid players, as you well know. Um, and as and that's really, that, that sort of team picks itself, really. I thought, you know, the pack was superb. A very mobile pack. And I think knowing the speed of Don Brandt, etc., I think Lua Tua might just stick at that position. I thought the, the back three were really good. OK, and of course, Sinclair Lee is going to be licking his lips for this one. I think he'll be really up for this game. He was uh, when they came down to uh, to the gate, certainly that league game. Mm. Um, let's, uh, so it's prediction time. You, you, you don't fancy us getting anything. What's the score prediction? No. 
But there, there is one change I would make. Go on, I then. think Dan Thomas comes in for Eden for me. Okay. Yeah, yeah. personally. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, but so, yeah, prediction. I, like this. I think this is the first time I've ever predicted us to lose a game. Um, I'm going to go oh, as narrow as I can. 23-16 to Quinn's. But you said we weren't going to get anything out of the game. That's a, that's a losing <laughs> bonus point, that well, is. Yeah, but we still lost. So uh, yeah. a, a loss is a loss, mate. It's All a right. loss. Pete, I'm <laughs> going to come to you next and then Miles. Yeah, I, I can see them scoring four tries. I, and it just it depends how many we are able to score in, in response. So it's it's going to be... I'd like to think it'd be close, but I, I, I hate to say this, but I, I'm thinking um, 21-15 to Quinn's. 21-15 to Quinn's. Miles. On a similar note, I actually written a prediction down this week, a couple of hours ago. I think 21-10 to Harlequins. I mean, to be honest, I almost given up predictions tone after my... Let's just remind the listeners Pete's prediction was a 51 12 win. Uh, Lee's was 36 6. I went for 23 10, which was getting in the right ballpark, but I think Miles was there actually with 21 14. Two years we've done the pod and he's got one right. So, um, what shall I go for? I, I... See, this be, is what you do. This, yeah. this is what Tony does. He edges his bets. He looks yeah. at the three of our yeah. predictions. And he picks the middle ground. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't like um, picking against the team, but uh, I, I'm going to have to. I think it will be really close, and I'm going to go for a 28... 25 Quinns win. Oh, okay. Hopefully, both teams score um, at least four yeah, tries. Okay. Uh, right on last week's show, um, we talked about young young Toby, um, who is doing the Bearathon, uh, and we said we'd uh, try and get him on the podcast, and we did. So uh, this is me. I spoke to Toby and his mum Claire. Um, on Saturday morning. So let's have a listen to how Toby's getting on with his challenge. Well, on Bears Beyond the Gate this week, we have Toby. Um, and uh, we saw Toby on social media uh, and we thought we need to get this guy on the show. So, Toby, very warm welcome to Bears Beyond the Gate. First of all, can you tell us what you were doing at the moment? So I'm running a case for every point conceded before the next game. Right, okay, so every Bristol Bears game, if the points against the Bears, you are running a kilometre um, before the next game. And can you tell us why you're doing that? It's for my nanny, who uh, sadly passed away in the hospice. Right, and which, which hospice was that, Toby? Hospice. Right. And um, I believe, because uh, we, we saw you on social media again, um, how did you feel after Bristol conceded 44 points against, uh, against Wasps? I mean, that, that's over a marathon, isn't it? Yeah, it was, it was really hard. But when you actually got into a rhythm of doing it, it got easier as we went along. And, and did you manage to get all, all the K done uh, this week? Just about. 
Fantastic. And uh, you, I, I could see you were at the game or, yeah, uh, on Friday uh, for Bath. Um, what a fantastic win. Yeah, it was a very good win. The atmosphere was amazing. It was great. And uh, where, whereabouts in the stadium do you sit? Uh, the South Stand. You, you're one of the South Stand massive. And um, what do you think then? Because I think, what did Bath score? They scored 20 points against us. Uh, a lot more manageable for you this week to get the runs in? Yeah, that's a lot easier than last Br- week. Brilliant, brilliant. And we've also got uh, Toby's mum, Claire, on the line as well. Claire, can, can you tell us a bit more about uh, what, why Toby was so um, moved to do this challenge? I think that the main thing about this challenge is um, his nanny, Jew, who some of you in the South Stands probably heard a lot. Um, she was a massive Bristol Bears fan. She used to take Toby and his brother, Barney, to um, a lot of the matches, kit them out in all their kits. Um, but she used to support them because her brother, Andy Blackwell, used to play for the for Bristol back in the day. Um, so, it, you know, it's a, a massive loss to the family. And like I say, she was probably the noisiest supporter and her voice is well missed in the South Stand too. Ah, oh, that's fantastic. And, and uh, what a, a great connection with the club there, not only uh, as fans, but uh, with, with, with a former player. All right. Well, Toby, thanks for ever so much for coming on the, uh, on the show. Before we leave, can you just tell uh, all our listeners how they can find out more about your, your charity um, work and potentially make a donation to your fund? Well, you could go to my Twitter, which is T Bellathon, or my Instagram, which is Tobes Bellathon. That's brilliant. And Toby, what we'll do after the podcast goes out, we'll uh, we'll put the links to those on uh, our, our social media sites. So Toby, I think it's an incredible thing you're doing. Uh, and, uh, you know, all the very best to, right through to the end of the season in June. Uh, and I hope for your sake that the Bears uh, tighten up the defence a little bit in the weeks to come. Uh, Claire, Toby, thank you ever so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Up the bears. Up the bears. Bye, Toby. Bye. Fantastic what, what, what the boy's doing. I, I mean, I'm oh, really straight. impressed to do all, yeah. you know, do that through the whole season. It was so funny because we, we spoke about 10 o'clock on Saturday morning. Uh, I was hoarse. They were both hoarse. We had to, we <laughs> were drinking water following, the, you know, the, the victory against Bath. Um, it, it's absolutely fantastic. And if you want to, um, know more about uh, Toby's challenge you can find him on uh, Twitter at tbearathon so T-B-E-A-R-A-T-H-O-N uh, you can look up his Just Giving page where I think there's a link to it on Twitter and we'll also put those things on social media as well so Toby good luck one of the other things we talked about off air was uh, He's hoping that one of the players maybe will um, do a run with him. Ah, okay, so I yeah. said, uh, well, th- you've got a bit of a choice there. Haven't you? Do, you, do you go for a flyer like a Morahan or, a, you know, a Purdy or maybe one of the big, you know, forwards? He said, maybe John Afoa. I, I, I reckon I could do 5K with John Afoa. So um, I'm sure he could. So uh, that's great. And uh, all done for, mm-hmm. for Nanny June, who was a stalwart of the South Stand. So yeah. Toby, all the best with that. Um, let's have a look now. Uh, the rugby paper 
couple of stories that broke. Um, we're recording this at our normal time on Sunday evening. Rugby paper this week from Page Pete. Yeah. Uh, suggesting that Nathan Hughes has been touted to uh, uh, French clubs because his contract is up in the summer. Um, your thoughts on that? And and was it linked to him not being in the match day 23? Well, yeah, who knows? I mean, it could be. I, I think also not playing that well was linked to him not <laughs> being in the match day 23. But yeah, I, I mean, it, to be honest, it kind of seems that might happen. I think if he's up, you know, I, we've got some great service out of Nathan Hughes. But if you ask yourself, is he do is he somebody that we would have to re-sign a new contract for? We, we wouldn't be able to give him the same same terms as he's got. I doubt. Um, it doesn't surprise me that uh, he may be leaving at the end of the season. And I think we've actually would afford us an opportunity to relook at the back row. We've got we've got some you know Mitch Fitzharding potentially. Uh, could be our uh, could be coming through, so I'm 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 not disappointed massively about it. It doesn't surprise me that it could happen. Um, from a bigger point of view, I've got no problem with uh, some players going to play in France because, um, yeah, particularly ones at the end of career. Because I think if it weakens the French league a little bit, or it might weaken <laughs> the French national team, if we've got like a few mercenaries going over to France, yeah. it's uh, and it gives a bit of space for us to grow some organic young players at, uh, across the Premiership. So you know when you th- you know oh yeah it's like money bags France. I- I've got no problem with it, and I think maybe that is actually could work for Bristol. It could open up some space for, and as I think you pointed out off air to me today, is that you know we- we're unlikely to be able to afford another contract with of, of that ilk with Nathan Hughes if he's on a reported half a million a year with, with the kind of lower salary he, cap he won't and, even get out yeah but so I think it's just it's just one that we say thanks for everything you've done Nathan you've been a ledge we, we've enjoyed you but I think it, it seems like the curve is on the way down it's probably the time for us to, to let that happen if it yeah, does happen yeah. and we've heard from, from other sources and this is why we think it's you know there's, there's truth in the story that uh Potentially, already he knows that the contract's not going to be renewed. Uh, if you read the rugby paper uh, article, uh, it, and there's this thing now, isn't there, in England where the players now have to pay their agents' fees. Yeah. So, and, and with the reduced cap, um, speculation that he is on 500,000. I think the unfortunate thing is that 500,000 salary, if it was yeah. true, would have been protected yeah. Yeah. under the agreement to get the salary cap down. So Pat's unlikely to have that kind no. of money to be able to get a replacement. But uh, it will be interesting to see how Nathan reacts to this and also how involved he is. I mean, surely you can't have someone of his calibre and on that salary sat on the sideline. Uh, but then, you know, we did see that with Madigan, didn't we, a, a couple of seasons ago, who was allegedly on a, a fair old whack, but uh, didn't didn't get too close to the to the first team. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, I, and I think Hughes would be professional enough that he, you know, he, he'll still put his body on the line for what, when he's called upon. But I, I absolutely, totally agree with Pete. I mean, we're going to do the article in the post tomorrow. And it basically goes along the same lines. I, I think that yeah, this is it's it's one of those times that we say thank you for the service, but these youngsters don't forget Pat's vision right from the start was bringing the the crop of youngsters through, wasn't it, into the first team squad, coachable players, learnable players. 
And I think that that creates the opportunity, exactly as Pete's just said, you know, we can bring a youngster or two through now and we we possibly might lose one or two established players, but, you know, the youngster's got to go, come through at some, some point and I think this is a perfect opportunity. I, and I think, you know, all the clubs are going to face this, aren't they? They, yeah. they? they will have given maybe extra year extensions before that salary cap cut off. So they, they, they could have a bit of continuity. But it's a dangerous game in rugby to give two, three, four year contracts or extensions, knowing how, you know, injuries can, uh, can, can really affect that. Uh, uh, more speculation as well in the paper that... Uh, that Pat Lamb was seen talking to Max Ajomo, uh, Miles, uh, after after the game, and uh, he's evidently out of contract at Bath. Would you fancy seeing him in a Bristol shirt next year? Well, based on his performance uh, on Friday night, he plays an absolute blinder. Uh, I mean, he's a young lad. He's got many, many years of rugby ahead of him, and maybe he sort of feels that... Um, you know, the way that Bristol play, the running rugby um, and, you know, Pat's coaching would suit him down to the ground. So that's really interesting, to be honest with you. And, you know, with a few players moving on or maybe players injured and centre cover definitely needed based on Sammy's injury, I think that'd be a, that'd be a great signing. Collectively, would you would you have him? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Tony. Yeah, young player with that 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 stardust. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yes. And to well, take him away from Bath. Well. <laughs> <laughs> how how funny would that four be? Yeses. Absolutely. Four yeses. How, how funny would that be? It reminded yeah. me of Vui as well. Remember we watched Vui playing for Worcester against yeah. us, and he was absolute class, Brilliant. wasn't he? Mm. Yeah. And then when we got in England, and we might sign him. All, all four of us were like, "Come on, let's get him. Let's get this guy." Absolutely. Yeah. It reminds think, me of that I think, scenario. I think the the danger for Bath fans was that phrase. Pat was in deep conversation. With a Joma, because if if Pat's up against Hooper in deep conversation competitions, Pat's going to win every <laughs> time. Yeah. And, and I would, you know, it's a different game now. I mean, obviously, people say, "Oh no, he's bathroom through because of Big Steve Joma," and I don't think that counts a jot. I think if if Max Joma is is ambitious, mm. he's going to look at trajectories at the moment. Yeah, and despite our little blip this season, it, our trajectory is. <laughs> Has yeah. at least gone up a bit, unlike the flatlining that has, has happened at Bath for the last couple of seasons. So wouldn't surprise me at all. And, I... and, and absolutely, you know, with 20, 24,000 in the stadium, if he yeah. thinks I'm going to play in front yeah. of crowds like that uh, quite a few times a year. Having said that, it was speculation. It and, to, and to be fair, you know, after the Q&A, Pat was in deep conversation with you, Pete. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I've not yeah. seen any speculation yeah. that you're going to... Uh, Sign a contract for for next year. <laughs> okay, let's. Oh. The one thing they do have in common that was that remember Baffle was an employee. So there there is a link there. Uh, I've got to say, uh, I mean, our regular listeners will know I have got very strong <laughs> Cornish roots and very proud of that too. And I was absolutely delighted uh, today with the result from the championship. Cornish Pirates fifteen. Ealing Trail Finders 12. So uh, Ealing uh, to to, uh, a loss in only their second game of the uh, season. So maybe Mm -hmm. it isn't going to be a procession straight to the Premiership. Uh, so we will keep an eye on the championship there. Didn't Saris lose uh, one of their early games last yeah. year you know, against Pirates? <laughs> to, be fair, yeah. to be fair, though, they had a whole host of British and Irish Lions to put <laughs> yeah. back in the team. I don't, I don't think um, Corn, um, Ealing have got quite yeah. the same calibre. Well, they, got, but they got Jack Tooley. 
Okay, let's finish with a couple of quickies then. Um, social media shout outs. Um, we had Graham, Graham Frankham who contacted us via our Facebook page, thanking us for uh, the bit that we did about Bristol Beer Factory. He went and had some a selection of ales All before of the game um, <laughs> and also our tip to get out there at halftime he said he got out there at halftime for the bath game and got served straight away so he was absolutely delighted with that uh, Graham thanks for uh, supporting Bristol Beer Factory and I'm going to do a little shout out to you to Michaela and your kids Teddy, Alfie and Florence and then uh, we had an email came come in because um, there's been a lot of interest in the 10-minute tune and lots of people are saying, you, you know, they, they, they want to, to sing yeah. more, more singing. Uh, and this God. is Ed, Ed Richardson. Well, from us. <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily from us, from the crowd in general. But uh, this is Ed Richardson who emailed us and um, he, with his nine-year-old son, uh, Dougie, came to the semi-final and obviously we lost against Harlequins, but they'd already had tickets for the final. So him and Dougie were going along and when they were going there on the day, he said to Dougie, who do you want to win? And he, Dougie came back and said, Harlequins, because they sing lots of songs, Dad. So you can, you know, I don't really, I like you say, we're football fans, most of us. We were kind of used to it. But if you've just come to rugby... And all you hear is Bristol or Gloucester or Bath or Leicester. That actually, the Quinns guys were were amazing, yeah, the fans, yeah. the 500 yeah, fans great. they had in the stadium. So uh, what Ed has done, he has written three songs with, with Dougie. And yeah. um, I think, well, of course, we're not going to be at home now yeah, for, uh, for a wee while. But maybe, Ed, we will get you to record, you and Dougie, to record those songs and then we can play them on the podcast and see what people think. So it's th- they, they've written new words to three well-known tunes. I thought all three were good, I'll be honest. Yeah. All three I thought were good. Yeah, yeah. So we're not going to give too much away. So, uh, Ed, if you're listening, record them, email them to me, get in contact, and we'll we'll have a listen. <laughs> if not next week, maybe maybe the week after. Okay, that's it for this week's show. If you like what you heard, please leave a rating or review on your podcast platform of choice. Uh, We'll be back next week with our review of the Quinns game and we'll also look forward to the trip to Newcastle. Uh, Until then, stay safe and come on, Briz. (laughs)